0: Welcome to Potlucky, a Weed Sommelier podcast. My name is Liz, and I am your host in Weed Sommelier. I review strains, recommend things to munch on, and talk to guests about their history with weed. I've been a consumer for nine years, and I'm located in Southern Maine, where it's legal medically and recreationally. I am here today with Jeff Nosatch, the farmer, cultivator, hash maker, and owner of Art and Craft Cannabis. Ah, uh, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, thank you. Uh, Jeff is the second of uh, a series of people that have agreed to be interviewed because I did not have a guest and I I put out a a call on Instagram and Jeff responded and so did Travis uh, of uh, Lobster Fam Farms. Uh, So thank you to you both for uh, (laughs) responding to the call, my my beacon for aid.
1: Yeah, Uh, right on, happy to do it.
0: Thank you, how long have you been a weed consumer and do you have any weedy credentials you'd like to share?
1: Uh, I first started when I, I first tried it when I was 14 so and I'm 40 I'm gonna be 41 in October so it's been a while however many years that is
0: oh um, I'm not the person to ask I'm so sorry <laughs> I can't do that <laughs> off. yeah on and
1: off a little bit but um and you know I didn't and then I as a young you know around 20s in my 20s and 30s I just knew people who were involved in the scene I kind of was on the periphery of a lot of cannabis farms or people who are involved with it in one way or another, and never really thought I was going to make that into a business. But when we moved to Maine, uh, it just kind of was there because we were doing farming anyway. And people were asking us, hey, stuff you're growing for yourself is good. Why don't you do this for people, for other people? And I was like, all right, let's see what happens. So that was like 10 years ago
0: wow, that's kind of like the ultimate compliment, like, uh, man, this is so good, you should sell it, and then you did, and yeah. now you have a, a business.
1: Yeah, I mean, 10 years ago, to be fair, though, having weed at all was kind of, like, exciting for anybody. <laughs> I mean, maybe that was the end of that era of just, like, any weed is very exciting, and now it's very different than it used to be, but yeah, that was the time when it was, it felt, it felt more exciting, I think, than it does now. now it feels more like a it's exciting, but it's more like a business and you kind of have to put your nose to the grindstone and it's not like the wild west as much as it was.
0: Less of a novelty, more of a a commodity. Yeah, yeah. So
1: it is definitely more of a commodity. And we, I mean, we grow weed, hemp, but essentially the same kind of, you know, for, for CBD. And that certainly is a commodity. And that has changed my perspective on that too, because we, you know, we get a fraction of what we're what you would think of as a, for a weed price but it's in bulk we can grow as much as we want and it just yeah change the change the game quite a bit the whole hemp scene.
0: yeah so where were you located initially that you moved to Maine to I don't know grow not grow weedness well, sorry what what prompted your move to Maine
1: uh I guess it was because it was it was the place where we saw somewhere we could afford to buy we were like I was like we were looking around. We had lived in West Virginia. Uh, we had I'm from New Jersey. My wife's from New Jersey, but we hadn't lived there in years when we met and um, didn't want to move back there and bounced around and just saw we were looking in the Northeast because we liked the Northeast and uh, just saw that Maine was incredibly affordable. We could afford to actually buy something with the incredibly small amount of money we had access to at the time. So it was cool, And we turned our little little tiny mud patch into something nice,
0: you know, I I'm really reminded when you say ten years ago because I don't think that uh, situation could necessarily apply now regarding like Definitely buying not. land in Maine, especially in the area I live in,
1: yeah. I mean, the area I live in they're still available. There's still deals, but it's not the kind of deal like we got on Craigslist. That doesn't exist anymore. And you found uh, your house
0: yeah, on Craigslist. It,
1: yeah, it was, I mean, it's not a house. It was a garage with a, it was a roof and four walls. And we we had a bus and that we were living in. So we were like, well, we're good. And that it was just two acres and that, and uh, we've just slowly made our way from there. Honestly, it was one of the being able to have any capital and get land at all is an incredible blessing for anyone because it gives you the ability to, it's like a springboard gives you the ability to grow from there and if you're always paying rent it's hard to grow
0: yep i have i have a rant about um paying rent and like mortgages like oh you can afford to pay you know two thousand dollars a month in rent but they won't give you a four hundred dollar mortgage like or like a month mortgage but sorry that's a that's a different that's a different rate for a different time
1: it's yeah. huge, though. That's absolutely true. Yeah.
0: yeah. So did you say it was a garage or did I am I just. Uh...
1: Yeah, no, it's just a garage, uh, just like a three-bay garage with like an office. 24 uh, by, my
0: 24 first
1: thought. Something. Oops, sorry. I don't know. What is it? I can't even remember now how long it is. 24 by 60 or 48. I can't... no 24 by. Yeah, maybe 48, something like that. And we built a house that's about 24 by 36 in there. So it's small, small
0: place. Wow. I would my next question was going to be if you ever considered like parking the bus inside and that way you'd have like a little bonus room.
1: We had considered it, um, but we 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 sold the bus. Um ah. <laughs> we do still we do still have a small bus because some friends gave us one and um it's basically a kitchen for any crew that may be here at any point in time or for visitors and stuff. It's like a kitchen slash storage area, possibly. A place where you could crash three seasons um you know there is a little bed in there and stuff but um we did we when we had our bus one of our first crazy ideas was to uh was to build like a big greenhouse around it and live inside of a greenhouse yeah. <laughs> <I love it. laughs> the thing about the bus is it's like in the winter or anytime when it's cold it's the opposite of like a soda can in the summertime like a cold soda can in the summertime so the on the outside is the cold drink. And on the inside is you with all the dew all over everything on the inside walls. So it's just ah. like, like the doors were like freezing shut at night because there's like dew from the warmth that's on the inside collecting on the metal walls and like flooding over to the door and like freezing it solid shut. <laughs> it's not a great place to live unless you're on the road and you're rolling. Then it's a great place to be.
0: So uh, we, we do have to move on to what the product is. But uh, my last question is, did you did you live the van life or the, the bus life, a schoolie?
1: Yeah, sort of. Um, it wasn't like I was a schoolie person. I was more of like uh, I was on tour. I, I toured with um, some bands and uh i got hired by a band to like convert a bus to vegetable oil and drive it around the country a bunch of times and... hell
0: yeah that is that's so freaking cool i would have included that as a weed mm-hmm. accolade actually that's yeah, that's so crunchy to some
1: degree, to some degree yeah um there, there was at least one tour where i'm pretty sure somebody was selling weed the whole time
0: <laughs> yeah you can you can i mean not after that statement but i was gonna say you could probably drop a couple of those uh band names in here for cloud if you felt like it
1: Oh, yeah, the Dan Deacon Ensemble was the band that I rolled around with for a while. Um, and uh, uh, let's see, uh, Nuclear Power Pants. They're, <laughs> they're in, my wife was in that band. They're actually amazing. I love it. Um, the, the, the sort of like the central creator in that uh, band is a guy named Parham, and he's an amazing artist and does a lot of amazing work. He's a poet and artist and... Yeah, that band's definitely worth looking into.
0: Is that how you met your wife?
1: Uh, sort of, we had met previously and it did have to do with like music and touring and stuff. Cause I was in a performance art band for a little while and I went and met and just had just briefly like, hello. And then we ended up being on the same tour together. So that's how we got to know each other well.
0: That's very sweet. Also the name, Nuclear, I can't even say it. I'm gonna burst out laughing. I love it. I love it so much. I would buy my goodness. A lot of fun. Fantastic. All right. I will I'll have to do that. Uh and Dan
1: is is definitely a lot
0: of fun. Excellent. All right. So would you like to know about this week's featured weed product?
1: Um, cereal milk.
0: Okay, yes. Uh, we did talk before the show. Yes. So this week's product is cereal milk from Flying Fish Farms. Um, I ran into them at the last independent Diamond Brokers event the following, uh, uh, I'm sorry, not following month because June is like four days away. Um, June 2nd, we have Mm -hmm. another event in Gray, Maine. Uh, Yeah, VIP tickets are $25. Are you going to that event by any chance? I'm
1: not. I am planning to go to one of the concentrate ones eventually, maybe get a table or something.
0: Ah, very cool. Can't recommend it. Highly enough.
1: I've heard a lot of great things from 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 people who've participated, so I'm excited.
0: Yeah, I have some great things. I love the
1: platform too. I think it's a great, pretty great way to to organize the industry in certain ways. It's really oh,
0: pretty, good. definitely, yeah. Um, sometimes I feel like a, not a, a lamprey, but like one of those uh, one of those things that sticks onto a shark that feeds off of like the you know the stuff the shark doesn't eat. I kind of yeah. feel like that, but it's more symbiotic. Because now I. Uh, you know, this is, this is behind the, behind the scenes stuff, but I'm going to get back yeah. to the podcast. Pardon sure. me. Uh, let's talk about the munchies for the munchie moment of the week. What do you like to snack on when you have the munchies?
1: I, I love popcorn and that's a big hit in our house. And last year we grew a decent amount of popcorn and my wife Liz makes amazing popcorn and the kids love it. And it's just like the perfect munchie snack.
0: I agree, especially considering how versatile popcorn is. But okay, Absolutely. so when you said you grew popcorn, you're gonna have mm-hmm. to explain that further, because from my understanding, you cannot open a bag of popcorn, rip it open, including the butter, and dump it in the ground and uh, <laughs> and grow popcorn. I assume they they treat it somehow or dry it. So how how do you grow popcorn?
1: I would say I would have to say technically you probably could open a bag of popcorn and just grow it, but then you'd be growing some variety of popcorn that might not be the best to grow in Maine. We grew like an earlier variety that, that matures pretty quickly. I have no idea, really. I don't know about the diversity in popcorn genetics. so I don't know if what I'm saying is necessarily true. But I do know that when you you know live in an area, you should look for what's good to grow in your area. So we got some, some popcorn. Um, my wife, Liz, pretty much spearheaded that project. Uh, so she could tell you a heck of a lot more about it than I could. But I know that it was beautiful and there were these small ears smaller than smaller kernels than you're used to but the the popcorn is is excellent and the best part about it is the kernels that don't pop still taste good they're like not super hard they're like almost more like corn nuts
0: that's like crispy really
1: cool. and still good and so nothing's wasted it's great <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's one beef I have with the popcorn I get because I like to make popcorn balls sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and you like, I oh, mean, you can break your teeth on a... Oh, yeah. or, no, I like to make kettle corn. Popcorn balls is just kind of an unfortunate <laughs> result of me not stirring it enough. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, so we... Um, I Sometimes I'll just bite into popcorn. I'm like, oh, there's a seed in here, isn't it? And I'll be like, okay, I could break a tooth on this. But that sounds fantastic.
1: Yeah, it's great. Do you
0: have to process it in any way before you put it on a, in a pan with some oil?
1: yeah you have to dry it down um which we usually just do in like one of our kind of like farm vehicles with the windows rolled our farm vehicles end up being storage over winter and in the fall they tend to be like a place where we dry beans and stuff because they get hot when the sun's hitting them and stuff so we just leave the windows cracked and put you know stack up dry beans and corn ear uh, you know ears of corn and whatever else we have to dry down and uh and then you have to shuck, obviously, you gotta shuck the corn like you would any kind of corn. And then you have to you have to, you know, get the kernels off the ear. So you have to do that all happens like our kids do it and stuff. So it's like we want to have popcorn. It's like, cool, here, shuck these ears of corn. <laughs> um, but if you if you had a little machine, you could shuck them pretty darn quick, you know, if you were actually trying to make a lot.
0: I'll have to talk to you more about that later. But uh yeah, my my recommended munch of this week, I'm thinking is going to be mm, what have I been munching on? I, I'm gonna say overnight oatmeal again. I think I said that last week because it was an honorary munch, but this week it's a it's a full-on munch. Uh overnight oatmeal is just so good. Again, endlessly customizable a la popcorn. Um I however last night I did it. Normally I do it with almond milk. However, I had mm-hmm. a can of coconut milk laying around and I'm like, oh yeah, this is gonna be tight. And it was yeah. yeah, I thought I had a, a couple flakes of uh, coconut left, and I'm like, oh man, this will be excellent on top. I'll toast it up a little bit. Excellent yeah. in the fridge overnight. Uh unfortunately that was not the case. I had used it all previously, but you know what? I threw a banana in there, some strawberries, and mm-hmm. in the morning I had like a nice, a nice cold breakfast of oatmeal. And it's that's a my recommended meal. lunch.
1: It is a great meal.
0: Yeah. Um man, I had a good segue for this, but uh hey, do you know what time it is?
1: four oh six
0: yeah okay i don't want to wait 15 minutes to do this joke, but are <laughs> you ready to do some weed sure all right let's do it and we are back if you or a femme have a word that you think deserves airtime, leave us a message on anchor i guarantee you if anyone does this it will be on the show pending absolute foulness all right take it away jeff
1: My weed word is explant, which can be a verb or a noun. As a verb, it means to remove living tissue from a growth site. And as a noun, it is the tissue that is removed. Commonly used in tissue culture because we take tiny little pieces of of plant tissue and put them in a media, so they call them an explant.
0: Now, would these plants happen to attend a school for youngsters with a uh, certain abilities other plants may not possess.
1: Some of them, I would say, I would say, yes, they do. Absolutely.
0: Oh, uh, okay. I was trying to, trying to figure out with an X-Men joke, but I think it would work better <laughs> visually if I, uh, if I did something about the X-Men, but I changed it to X-Plant. And then uh. There is, the a funny,
1: there is a funny play on words in there somewhere where it's like, it used to be a plant, now it's an ex-plant.
0: Yeah, like um, like uh, it just got out of plant jail, or uh, it just got unmarried from a plant, something along those lines. There's there's a joke in there somewhere.
1: There's a good one in there somewhere.
0: Yes. Uh, how are we feeling? Pretty good. Yeah, so what were you uh, puffing on mo- uh, moments ago?
1: A, uh, a Shoki by Gas Mask Backcross from Best Friend Farms
0: yeah uh so was that a like flour or how do you how do you generally uh enjoy cannabis
1: uh pretty much pretty much a little bit of hash here and there um not much uh not too much flour every once in a while just because nothing replaces that flavor there's a even when you make hash or any kind of extract from flour The flower always has its own character so I'd like to go back to that every once in a while but I don't like to use it very much I like hash and rosin and vaporizing I like low temp vaporizing so just mostly for like health reasons honestly just try to be as conscious as possible
0: I agree with you which is why I enjoy using um I have a Dynavap vaporizer they don't pay me to say that but they did give me a bunch of them for free which I appreciate nice yeah um all right, let's talk about the tasting notes and the my my thoughts on bag appeal for cereal milk from Flying Fish Farms.
1: Cool.
0: Yes. So this bag, um, I like thinking about product design. I'm I'm thinking now if I could go back in double major, I probably would have done design also. Um, but uh, you know, just in retrospect, on um, this bag, um, I use the grandparent handshake size scale, like uh if you have a baggie of weed and it can fit in your palm perfectly, like for a, like a grandparent handshake at the end of a weekend when they palm you money your parents aren't supposed to see. Um, so that's a little bit too big for this. I imagine if you folded it up, it could work. But I mean, you could fit this in the back pants of your pocket. Um, okay. There's no logo on the container, which is unfortunate. Um, it's not a container. It's like a it's almost like matte black, um, just a little pouch for weed. Um, I like that it's matte so that light isn't getting in um, and disrupting those tasty terpenes. However, I did I did miss the logo because it looks pretty cool. It's a flying fish like who doesn't love that. Um, yeah. So there is a small, uh, uh, let's see, a small batch number spot um, or the opportunity to have one. I don't think I saw a batch number. Um, I don't have the bag in front of me and unfortunately I took these notes while it was baked. Um, once again i mean the package i think is i think is decent for what it is um i kind of wanted to reuse it a little bit i feel bad about throwing away plastic and jars so i have a big a big bag of like dube tubes in my closet um yeah so i i like that i can feel that i can reuse a product that it's sturdy enough to warrant reuse and like you know not that not that this would be a great idea in any sense, but like I could get, you know, a uh, lower shelf weed because this is pretty this is pretty high shelf stuff, in my opinion, um, and put it in the baggie and like, oh, this is the this is the good stuff and then you know give it to a unsuspecting uh, person who can consume cannabis uh, moving on man I'm i I'm, I'm, I'm wild today um, talking about the scent and the taste. Um, a little bit like Fruit Loops. I opened it and it did indeed smell a tiny bit like bergamot and earl, uh, earl grey, which to me honestly smells like a big bowl of Fruit Loops. Um, the mm. nug was one gram exactly. Um, and then the scent, I could really feel like traveling up my nose and it felt kind of milky, which is mm. weird to describe a scent as. Cool. Yeah. Um so this bud um would have kind of benefited a little bit more from being in like a jar or something like that. But once again, those are harder to recycle, but I guess easier to reuse. Um it was it was flattened, kind of like um like it was 3D at some point and then like it had been in your back pocket for a little bit, it gotten it had gotten flat. In no way did it affect like the uh the taste or whatever, but the bag peel was a little, a little different, like oh look at this nug, but it's it was just kind of flat and squished a little bit. Um, let's see, looking at the trichomes, they were spaghetti-like, which I thought was very interesting. I did not see those little trichome heads. Um, and I kind of got dirty carpet vibes from looking at the nug, but I mean that in a very good way. Mm. Yeah. Um, moving on. Um, I saw a few trichome heads, but they weren't totally abundant. Um, it reminded me of cactus spines looking at it very close. Um, of course I had already consumed a little pinch of it. Um, so I was well on my way to getting baked um let's see um there was a slightly orange lemony tinge to it sweet on the exhale a little bit of tang um and overall i think the one of the most um present smells after the fruit loops was like the the feeling of fresh cut grass which was enjoyable Mm. this is a nice strain for the summer nice and light it'd be like a seltzer if it was like a an alcoholic beverage nice yeah um slight
1: popular out west
0: Pardon? Would you mind repeating that?
1: Maybe that's why it's so popular out west. Oh, really? Have you heard of cereal milk? Yeah, I have. I feel like, uh, like in West Coast circles, it's like more popular. Interesting perception, but
0: yeah. Um, when I ground it up, something that I, I noticed with this one that I hadn't noticed before, um, and maybe it's because I didn't have like my face super close to it, but when I ground it up, it was almost as if it had separated into individual petals of weed which Mm. I thought was quite beautiful.
1: Nice.
0: Yeah, and so that is the end of my tasting notes. Uh, Cereal milk is something that I'd recommend, especially um, if you know someone that thinks weed is stinky and this is weed that is delightfully scented, like a perfume, I would say, not diesely or cheesy or gassy. This This is definitely on the lighter side of things. Cool. Yeah. And you know what? I think it's time we move into part five, which is blowing smoke, the interview portion what was your first experience with weed Jeff?
1: Uh I there was a few of them I didn't get high so I think the actual first the first experience was just a circle of friends when I was a teenager and just that there was a joint you know and I didn't get high off of it and I tried again and I didn't get high again and then the third time I I I was like, oh well, this stuff doesn't work. I better smoke a lot, and then it worked. <laughs> so that was that was exciting.
0: Yeah. So I find that sometimes weed requires an activation phrase. Are you familiar with that activation phrase? No. This edible ain't shit. <laughs> So, even if I'm smoking a joint, that's what I'll say if I'm like, you know, it's not kicking all this edible shit. And it's really yeah. funny, especially if I'm just standing there and like, that's a joint. You can't eat that.
1: Right. Yeah. That's something definitely that happens to me with edibles. Where I remember one time we all harvested a plant and decided to like try to make something out of the leaves. And we like made, I don't even know what we made, some oil or some milk or something. And we weren't sure if we were getting high. But then I was looking around and I was like, we're doing an exercise video right now. Like, you are definitely high. How did this happen? It was
0: cool. I, I think that's probably the best thing that could have happened. With other drugs, you get stoned and then you wake up and you're chained to a bed and you're missing an organ. Yeah. And, uh, the police are there and want to know why, why all these chickens are missing. Um, See, so like, and, and this drug's like, oh, we're, we're exercising, we're outside yeah. playing basketball and walking in the woods.
1: Right, exactly. No, that's definitely, definitely true. Um, A lot of, lot of health benefits from what you can get from it. Obviously, there can be detriments, but I really, yeah, I know many more people that have had their life positively changed than negatively, that's for sure.
0: I agree. Um, So what does your history of consumption look like up until this point?
1: Uh, Just... I don't, I, I mean, I didn't start using it necessarily medicinally, just kind of like for fun as on and off through my 20s and early 30s, um, but definitely started realizing um, that a lot of that wasn't necessarily for fun. It was something that helped me uh, keep my mind clear of negative thoughts. And now I realize that more. And um, also, now especially, um, I, like deals with pain, pain management. Um, and I don't just use THC. I use all different kinds of cannabis, um, CBD, CBG, CBDV. Um, we grow hemp. So we have access to lots of different cannabinoids and different ways of taking it, whether it's topically or, you know, internally or smoking. Um, I don't smoke a lot anymore, but yeah, I've learned that it is an amazing medicine and that I didn't even recognize I was using it as a medicine for a long time
0: yeah um sorry i i i had a question for you but i was lost in thought i'm like well that's kind of like taking aspirin for fun i'm like no that's a terrible idea but i understand mm-hmm. what you're saying it's like um like when people get adderall to have a good time and then they find themselves yeah. very calm and focused and they like oh sure. wait wait a minute
1: i'm like wait maybe something about this works yeah totally
0: mm-hmm. so cool. do you have a preference for how you consume it generally
1: I like to low I like low temperature vaporizing of hash or or hash rosin. Um, I would say that i although it's a little messier, so and it's so then it, therefore it's less less convenient, but I do think the straight traditional hash vaporized is is my favorite. I think I get the best effect from that.
0: What's the difference? Okay, I have two questions. The first one is what's the difference between low temp, i guess medium and high temp um, regarding extraction and, you know, well, not extraction, sorry, like, um, vaporizing. vaporizing. I was thinking combustion, but that's, that's something different. Um, and, uh, uh, describing hash. Uh, that is my second question, hash. Um, but we can, we can clarify that after you, like, why, why low temperatures?
1: Uh, yeah, I, so all these different things vaporize at different temperatures that are in the, in the medicine. So cannabinoids are usually pretty low, Temperature, you can vaporize them before even a lot of the terpenes would vaporize. Um, And then there's some terpenes that are really low too, and they'll vaporize really quickly. So you can get these different flavor profiles. Um, And if you go above a certain temperature, you definitely like toast a lot of those flavor profiles. So you could start around 300 and go all the way up to 700 and get different effects and flavors from a concentrate. Um, I've kind of settled somewhere in the high 400s because you get a good vaporization of the actual medicine that you're looking for, and you still maintain a lot of the flavors that are in all the terpenes and thiols and all of the other kinds of flavor things that give cannabis flavor. Um, it just, to me, that's some people like it a little higher, more at the low 500s. I don't really hear about people. Um, Vaping hash for flavor anywhere above 550 or maybe 600. Um, But some people that's what they're looking for. So, and then if it's a, if it's a distillate or an isolate of some sort, you can usually vaporize it at a higher temperature without it kind of burning and
0: being harsh and stuff. What are the benefits of doing it at a higher temperature?
1: I don't really know that there are benefits of doing it at a higher temperature. Uh, You get big clouds and it hurts well, are, so you long Those are calm.
0: fun. Yeah.
1: yeah, it's just that to me, that's what happens. Um, you, you probably get, I, I would say, by, because I know, because I've done it by accident, learning, it's been a long time, but like learning to vaporize in a banger where you're using a torch. Um, oh yeah,
0: yep. Yeah, well, I have on like my I've coffee definitely table hit downstairs. it way too hot.
1: Yeah, like I, I've hit it way too hot and it's so pretty intense feeling. Um, overwhelming like it hits you really quick and it's really intense because all that stuff gets burnt really quick and um yeah i don't i don't like that i like it to be more smooth and i don't want to cough necessarily i want to taste it um yeah i don't want to burn it i don't want to and you create carcinogens when you burn it especially through combustion so there's like i want there to be more science around this and there will be it's developing Mm -hmm. We're gonna learn more and more about how the compounds that are in there get converted into toxins and things that are well-known. Um,
0: It'd be so. a lot easier if it was federally legal.
1: Yeah, and we well, you know, we're getting
0: Yeah, all right. So well, let's talk about hash. What makes cool. hash different from other kinds and kinds of concentrates?
1: Um, So, yeah, when I say hash, I mean like a traditional hash. Um, People call all kinds of extracts hash, and that's fair, I think, to call, to say hash oil and mean BHO or something else. That's fair because it's a concentrate, but uh, I'm referring to traditional hash, which is different from other concentrates because it's mechanically separated. Typically, the major difference is that it's mechanically separated from the plant rather than being uh, chemically dissolved and then isolated through other means um which is how bho works and co2 and alcohol and all these other kinds of things you actually extract with so the trichome heads are mechanically extracted from the plant in traditional hash there's different ways to do it you can do it in water you can do it dry over a dry screen um there's new cool ways to do it um there's like cryo dry sift now and there's a really cool thing that i can't call mechanical extraction but there's a new form of extraction coming out that's vapor static they use like a static charge to collect vapors off of it which is technically solventless but it's different um but mechanical extraction focuses on getting those trichome heads off of the plant and separated isolated into as pure a form of hash as you can get and the more pure it is, the better it is. Higher quality. Um, you can do it frozen, um, or you can do it from dried material. You know, fresh frozen material or dried cured material, which is what we typically do. And uh, it's it's different because it does. It's not a whole plant extract. It doesn't extract every chemical that's in the plant. It you know that's there for you to use. You get a little lower yield on the cannabinoids, but you're just getting uh, the juicy terpenes and stuff that are contained within that chemical factory. That is the trichome, um, which is really exciting. And that's why there's so much excitement. Part of why there's so much excitement around it. Cause it just, it provides a really incredible flavor that, um, it, in my experience correlates more closely to the smell of the cannabis. When you, when you smell a bud and you're like, "Oh, I love that smell. That flavor correlates more closely when you use hash, um, from that plant because it is just physically separating the thing you were smelling and putting it in your pipe.
0: Yeah. Like taking pepper out of your pepper grinder and just popping it in there.
1: Yeah. It's just, it's right. It's like, you, you know, it is the exact thing you were smelling. Whereas with the alcohol extract or some kind of solvent based extract, that's not like once you're done there, that that's all, everything's changed. There's so many things that have changed at that point that it's not going to be not to say that it isn't good. It can be awesome um and people can do an amazing job at translating that flavor that's the skill of the extractor but um it's not the same as hash hash is just different it's unique in that way
0: interesting your description kind of reminded me of this is going to sound silly but the spongebob movie where (laughs) like okay so there are live fish and then the spongebob movie he gets caught and taken to like a a souvenir shop and i'm just imagining like okay so like some people like i had this metaphor worked out in my head before i opened my mouth i promise um i'm just imagining like you know a whole fish in the ocean you know what you're smelling in the plant and you know you know some some people you know they take that whole fish and they they process it and then they sell Mm -hmm. it to you as a souvenir but it's not the fish anymore it's a but it's still the you know what i mean does that make sense
1: sort of i haven't seen the movie so i don't really know what you're talking about but it is it is like yeah it's trying to not it's sort of trying not to process the, the chemical factory that, that is inside that trichome. You're sort of trying to keep it intact from the way the plant was. Yeah. Which is my my kind of that's my explanation at least.
0: How'd you get someone to hash? Uh
1: I don't know. I realized how cool of an extraction method it was. Partly because I'm a mechanical-minded person, um, and when I realized it was a mechanical separation and not like to do with any kind of solvents or anything, I was like that twerked my interest a little bit. I was like, okay, that's something, and uh, and then I realized how how simple it is to do, but that you just have to figure out a really good system for it. It's, it's simple theoretically, and um, also then I realized cold temperatures is like a huge part of making hash you have it has to be cold um to do it right uh so what do we have in maine we have a lot of free cold weather and i just grow sun grown so i come to realize you know this is just a really great complement to what we do um you know we farm when the sun shines and then in the winter we process and so it's like this is a way to do that in-house you know it's generally considered safe because we're just using water and ice and it's i'm using the cold months of the year to keep my room cold and i'm not having all these excessive power bills trying to keep the room cold um one of the people that uh helped teach me how to do hash was um jonathan Mintel, um botany chemist on instagram and he he was doing uh commercial hash making in a facility in Florida and he was like we would use 75 pounds of ice and I I like use like maybe five or ten in my run because my room's 40 degrees and no air that's without air conditioning or 30. You know it's really cold. 40 is the warmest I will ever let it get and do processing in there. So Um, it just, I felt like the, our system worked well for it. It was a place, you know, Maine was a place where I could get free cold air and that's something you need for making hash. So that's kind of part of our, the economy of our products is that they're made in that way and that it's all from sun-grown material. So that lowers the cost as well.
0: Man, that leads into my, my next question regarding your Mavga certification. I'm not sure I'm pronouncing that correctly, but would you like Hmm. to tell the audience about that?
1: yeah we so our hemp farm is mostly certified um we haven't yet certified art and craft the medical um because it's it's not the same certification you can't call it organic it's Mm -hmm. an mp3 is is the designation it's all the same stuff and we do everything you need to do um to do to acquire in terms of like since we grow hemp organically we know what the requirements are and we follow all those for our medical crop um we just haven't honestly last year we spent the year being asking everybody we sold any products to if they w- thought we it would help if we were MOFA certified and um i want to get MOFA certified and we will do it for our medical but they all said no so i was like we had a lot of expenses this year and it was a tough spring for a lot of different reasons, and so it wasn't the right year for us to jump into it. Um, probably going to do it next year, but our hemp is MAFCA certified. It's certified USDA and MAFCA organic.
0: Let's talk about hemp. So, do you what purposes do you grow it for, like textiles, or do you, um, what do you have? What do you do with it? I, I guess yeah. my question boils down to.
1: Sure. Um, yeah, we have a separate LLC called Panorama Hemp. Um, that we grow, we grow uh, resinous cannabis. So we're growing the same kind of cannabis we grow for medical um, in in, in terms of like the same category, which is resinous. Um, But we grow for CBD pretty much exclusively. And uh, pretty much exclusively, we grow it for a company called Wild Folk Farm that has, they were one of the first licensed hemp farms in the state. And they moved into uh, making products and all their own in-house products, and then moved out of farming and Um, we were able to work with them to do all their farming for their, because they want to have a clean chain of custody. They want to have MOFCA certified. They want it to be local, accountable, and we could offer them that. So um, that's basically what we grow all of our crop for. We have a small website where we sell um, a little bit of trimmed flour. Uh, in state pretty much only there's not a lot of strains that are allowed to be sold as trim flour just because of thc percentage rules Mm -hmm. Um, but there are some strains that you can do it and uh, we sell tinctures and salves we basically our website is like we just sell like a couple different products that are generally speaking high potency and high value like economically priced for people who need like really high doses and a lot of it, and just can't afford the more nuanced doses that are in different, you know, more unique products. We didn't. We don't have a lot of unique products. We just kind of sell bulk,
0: wholesale.
1: Yeah, and we do mostly wholesale. But on the website, we do have a little bit. Of, you know, the mm-hmm. the website there, so you can buy a bottle of oil if you want to. Um, we don't do a lot of business through that. But yeah, we mostly sell wholesale.
0: Ah, thank you for clarifying. but it's
1: weed you know it like you look at it it's covered in trichomes you know it's potent it's it's essentially the same thing like 20 years ago like i would have gone to jail for it you know what i mean like it's weed Mm -hmm. um it just doesn't get dry. it's all cbd so we are learning a lot about how to grow through the process of growing hemp that's part of what the hemp license is great for is like now i know how to grow a quarter acre of resinous cannabis um I know how to dry it, I know how to manage it. You know, it's, it's just been a learning experience in that sense. And also, you know, we have a contract, we grow it. It's a commodity crop, it's part of our income and it's great to do.
0: Do they have fun straight names as well by any chance?
1: Oh, heck yeah, we're growing uh, um, what? something, something Cakeberry Brulee is one of them. Uh, We're growing this year, and then you you know, we grow mostly stuff from Oregon CBD because it's been really reliable for us since we're growing wholesale. It's it's just a reliable crop. Um, They do a lot of they do amazing work with the seeds and the genetics. Um, There's other people that do amazing work too, but we just kind of stuck with them. So yeah, there's a lot of fun strain names. It's a lot of them are really similar, you know, like you got your fruity names and super sour space candy and these kinds of things. nuclear power pants (laughs) (laughs) that could be a strain you're right you're right you're right
0: oh that absolutely tickles me
1: let's make that happen
0: yeah Uh, I mean what's stopping you You're literally growing weed like all you have to do is find like I don't know mom (laughs) jeans I think that's a strain and then combine it with uh like probably a Simpsons one for radioactivity or whatever and boom you got that
1: Yeah, there's going to be some kind of radioactive something or other. it's got to be some kind of strain. There's a million strains. We just named a strain Raspberry Beret and then we look, we find another strain. Oh, there's in Canada, there's another strain called Raspberry Beret. It's like, okay, well, let's get that one and cross it into ours.
0: Wow. Super, (laughs) super Raspberry Beret.
1: Yeah, double, double. Raspberry
0: Raspberry
1: top hat. Yeah, something like that.
0: Yeah. Um, I have a follow up question. So once you make bubble hash, you know, traditional hash, what do you do with the flower afterwards after you've removed all the trichomes?
1: I pretty much use it as mulch in our vegetable garden.
0: Dope. So uh, does it have any other potential purposes besides, you know, organic biodegradable material? Uh, Can you smoke it? Well,
1: if you do the math, technically... That is some swaggy swag, and there is there is medicine in there, but it is some swaggy swag, and it's probably like five percent. And and the thing is, you'd have to re-dry it. So, I technically could make some disty from it or something like that, but then I'd have to re-dry all of it because I get it wet. So, if I had some kind of magical thing where I could just lay it out and re-dry it, and then I had a setup to run disty, I could probably get another three to five percent yield or something like that maximum off of a plant um but i just put it in my garden because i grow under the sun and i'm not trying to like go insane like the thing about like i grew up and like weed was so sacred and i have it's hard it's it's important to remember now that i have a business that like certain things you don't keep like you don't keep all weed now like some weed gets thrown away because it's not really weed anymore. It's not something that's marketable to anybody. It's not useful for me in terms of time management to like do anything with it. Um, so it's it's been a learning curve, but yeah, I'm mulching with it now.
0: <laughs> mulching with it. I can see that on a shirt. Yeah. Yeah. I um, had a
1: friend in high school that used to say like he wasted more weed than most people smoked. That was true then, but
0: then... yeah. Um, my one one of my final follow up questions because we are running out of time. Um, so could you do something solventless with the whole plant? Um, would that be possible, or is that kind of?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I do whole plant solventless extracts. So I I will extract even the trim. Um, I'll save the trim and keep it in a temperature controlled space and um, make pretty nice. That's the are we have three grades of hash red label, yellow label, and black label, and the red label is typically made either from trim or from smalls, the bottom of the plant, so that it can be the most economical, mm-hmm. um, and it's kind of like a jumping off point for people for hash most of the time, but our yellow label is made from the whole plant top, you know, I mean, I extra, I've removed the fan leaves and things like that, but all the buds on a plant from top to bottom, it gets extracted that way, and we get yields that are pretty close to the cannabinoid ratio when you when you test it so we're getting most of the good stuff in there out of there um, not all of it like i said there's two to five percent or something mm-hmm. but um yeah that's made from a whole plant that's from top to bottom but it is again it's just made from the trichomes so it's not made from anything that might be in the leaves or it might be in the trichome stalks or in other like waxy kind of cuticles where it attaches to the leaves or whatever all that stuff gets left behind for the most part complicated to answer maybe you understood what I was saying there
0: <laughs> so I was focusing on doing this trombone effect where I go wah wah and so I did <laughs> uh, I was gonna I was gonna say that and then you asked me that follow-up question I'm like well that that'd be mean if the, that was my my only response was, Nope, didn't get it sad trombone but yes I did understand what you were saying unfortunate cool. but yeah some of that stuff's left behind but i feel like weed science in the future perhaps could salvage that
1: yeah no there there would be i mean theoretically i could do something with it now it's just not
0: it's not economical
1: yeah time it doesn't like i i I can just grow more weed like i don't need (laughs) that that's not the issue anymore it used to be the issue like oh where do we get weed Like now it's like well where where do i get what i need to make a product that i can sell and do I get it from the top of the plant, the middle of the plant, bottom of the plant? A lot of people are moving more towards just the top of the plant, and that's okay. I'll probably move more towards that too as I'm able to get better yields or better strains or things where I don't, you know, I can't even get to some of it at that point.
0: Um, so when you say the top of the plant, you're referring to the physical plant, like the cola, um, like the bit up, bit up top, and not like yeah, like I guess levels of uh, goodness.
1: Sure. Yeah, like the the top i refer to as the top buds which would be the ones that got the most light got the biggest um they were towards the top of the plant or the outside of the plant maybe on the south side of the plant um that's w- when we process our hemp we se- usually separate into tops and bottoms oh, um, okay and so the bottoms are larfy they didn't get a lot of
0: sun they're you know hold on hold on we got to back to larfy
1: Larfy. okay so that i don't know that some people that's like
0: very you spell
1: that for me and other people are like what the hell did you just say but i don't know when i was i don't know that was always the term for like bud that was like loose and fluff like not nugs you know not dense at all like super loose uh fluffy not not a lot of weight you know like the bag would be huge and there'd be it wouldn't weigh anything
0: popcorn bad. weed yeah gotcha
1: popcorn weed. yeah there's different things but larfy was the word everybody used when i was when i was coming up
0: l-a-r-f-y because i'm putting that i I mean
1: i guess that's how you spell it it's not like it's a real word so i can't say for sure
0: you know what the only thing that makes something a real word is uh, popular usage so if you get enough people behind you you can make i don't know you can make uh you can make people say anything like name a strain something silly people are people are saying that you know that wasn't a a real phrase before but now it is so Yeah. yeah you have more power than you think you do
1: totally totally
0: is there anything else you'd like to share before we have to depart?
1: I don't think so. That was a lot of fun, though. Um, yeah. I'm always down to talk about stuff. We do other stuff at the farm, too, that we didn't get to talk about, but that would be a whole other issue, like science, farm-on-farm farm science, uh, plant science stuff. Um, but, yeah, that's a whole other episode, so maybe maybe some other Yeah, day. you'll
0: have to come back, and you'll have to bring your wife, Lizzie.
1: Yeah, definitely. She could talk about all kinds of other things that I... Also can't talk about you could just interview her. You should just interview her. Yeah,
0: you know what? <laughs> sounds like a, okay, cool. All right, I'll keep that in mind. Um, where would you like people <laughs> to find you?
1: Uh you can go to art and Instagram art and craft underscore canna. Uh and at stores around Maine, you can go to higher grounds. You can go to Power Plant in Wilton, Two Fat Cats in the Mid Coast. Uh, Greenport in Augusta and Damariscata, um, positive high in Hallowell. Uh, we're trying to go other places too. If you got a storefront that's not in one of those areas, cause I don't really like to crowd up the areas too much. Um, hit me up. We'll I'll get you some samples.
0: I personally do not have a storefront, but, uh, yeah, I'll, i was going to say I can put that out on the, the airwaves and I'm doing that as we speak. Um, cool. all righty. That is all the time we have. Thanks for listening. <laughs> this is the outro you're not supposed to talk sorry no worries um that is all the time we have thanks for listening our theme music is the irish washroom and as arranged by mailey charles you can find potlucky on apple music google music and spotify we also have an instagram page feel free to post pictures of your smoking materials and tag me in them at potlucky podcast like what we do and want to see us grow consider supporting us on anchor.fm you will hear from me next week jeff unfortunately will be elsewhere um so let's take the time now to say goodbye together all right goodbye
1: goodbye